The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The writer of Ecclesiastes knew what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. The question of how to pray has been on our lips since Jesus was in Galilee with his disciples, if not longer. We looked at some of the different forms of prayer during our Lenten worship earlier this year. But there are many ways to pray, with words or in silence, for our needs and for those of the world around us, for healing and reconciliation. You can pray with your whole body by kneeling or walking a labyrinth or by raising your arms. And the promise we have is that God hears our prayers, no matter what form they take. But in today's gospel, the disciples come to Jesus, and they ask him to teach them to pray in the same way 
that John taught his disciples. Their question assumes that there is a particular form that is correct. And in the verses that follow their question, Jesus offers them the outline of a prayer that we recognize as Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. In his gospel, Matthew records a longer version that is closer to what we say in worship, and his words are what Martin Luther writes and teaches about in his catechism. But there are probably more questions about prayer than answers. Some would ask, why do we even need to pray? Luther said we ought to pray as Jesus and the disciples did because we are commanded to and recommended praying the Lord's Prayer, both in the morning and in the evening. We do pray because God commands us to pray. And we pray with confidence that God hears us because that's what we're told again and again in Scripture. Others may wonder whether God has selective hearing, addressing some prayers and not others, or even whether God cares, especially when prayers appear to go unanswered or when we witness suffering in the world around us. I can't explain why there are prayers that appear to go unanswered. I do believe in the power of prayer and that it is not in our hands or our character, but in God's. We are not the key that makes prayer work. God is. Because of our lived experiences and our disappointments, it's tempting to roll our eyes and express skepticism at the promises that Jesus makes to the disciples in verse 9. Ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. But instead of cynicism, Luther wrote that promises like these ought to awaken and kindle in our hearts a longing and love for prayer. Luther wants us to remember who God is and what God's promises are. In our gospel text this morning, Jesus doesn't stop at teaching a new set of words. He suggests a new attitude altogether. It is an attitude of expectation and boldness that comes from the understanding of the power of prayer to accomplish real change. It comes from our belief that the God whom we worship is personal and moving and active in our lives and in the world. When we pray this way, we can't get away with praying without thinking or reflection. Our words can't be mere rote repetition. Our prayers reflect our belief that even though we live in a world that is constantly threatened by evil, we are loved by a God who promises to deliver us from it. We have this particular prayer because God so desires to draw us near 
that we would think about God and talk to God and tell God what is on our hearts and allow God to respond to us. God desires this so much that God gives us these words and puts them in our mouths. And with these words and the very short parable he tells afterward, Jesus reminds us exactly who God is. That God hears and provides for us. God forgives us and protects us. And finally, that God is more generous than we ourselves ever will be. Often when Jesus tells stories or parables, our instinct is to try to figure out who each character represents. And I've read this parable and tried to make God the one who is knocking or the one who is awakened. But this time, just reading it as it's written, I think Jesus knows that in our humanity, we might ignore the knock on the door at midnight or only grudgingly answer and provide assistance to the neighbor in need. But instead of suggesting that God is like either of these two characters, I think Jesus is saying that God responds to us in an entirely different way because of God's love for us. Jesus is teaching us that our prayer is grounded in God's character, not ours. Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, and in his small catechism, Luther writes that God's kingdom comes on its own without our prayer, but we ask in this prayer that it would also come to us, that God would give us the Holy Spirit to strengthen us in faith. It is a risky prayer. Because we are asking God to align us with God's desire for the world. We are asking God to change us and the world around us in big ways. To transform us into the people we have been created to be. Created in God's image, we are praying that our actions will reflect God's goodness and generosity, God's compassion and love, and that through the word and the power of the Holy Spirit, God will destroy the devil and all the forces that defy God, the powers of this world that rebel against God and the ways of sin that draw us away from God. That is bold expectation. So as we follow Jesus into the world this week, I challenge you to pray specifically and boldly with confidence in God's love and expectation of God's power. Amen.